Surfing 18, and tonight we're going to talk about FERT. Um, today with me, I have returning Hey Jealousy 09, and joining us for the first time is Sleep Deprived Mine. Hello. All right, so um, did you guys, I'm going to start with a little um, fact here. Did you know that there is a board game named FERT? Is there really? Really? How do you know? Yep. Um, it's actually sold in the store that I work at, and every time I have to clean the games, I look at it, and I'm like, oh, look, it's for... I have no idea what it's about. Apparently, the object of the game is to get inside a volcano. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, just throwing it out there. Sold at your local Barnes & Noble retailers, in case you're ever interested. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, the next time I go to Barnes & Noble, I'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I want to buy it just to have it around the house. <laughs> There's a unicorn on the front, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is hilarious. Somebody needs to buy it and check it out and see if it's any fun to play. I, like I said, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> oh, I will look it up on Amazon as soon as we're done here. <laughs> awesome. All right, so let's talk about furs and... This interesting story of, you know, Kurt and Finn and Carol and Bert all becoming a family. So, um, we open with um, Bert and Carol have just, or sorry, Bert has just proposed to Carol. And um, I'd like to point out that Bert had to go directly to the place that he met Carol and proposed to her in front of a homeroom classroom. In true glee fashion. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's kind of funny that it is a trope that um, that people have to propose to uh, propose where they met the other person. So yeah, and it seems um, like they're not the first. They definitely won't be the last. But yeah, it's like oh, we met here, so we have to propose here. What if you met in a Walmart <laughs> <laughs> or like a parking lot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, there's a special story if you met your significant other at a Walmart. I think that's a 
love story for the ages right there. Um, but yeah, and you know what I kind of wondered too? What prompted Bert to be like, I have to marry this woman right now? Like, we never really got what, I mean, I, I, the story was obviously going that way, but what kind of spurred them into that proposal really quickly? I've always wondered that because, like, with the whole Finn and Kurt and it being awkward and him kicking Finn out, and then that's, like, that's kind of, you don't really hear much about it, and then all of a sudden they're getting married. And he's buying a bigger house. <laughs> well, I had always thought that, it was my own headcanon, that since, um, since Bert's heart attack, maybe he realized that... It really it kind of put things in perspective for him, so that kind of spit up the, I guess, that maybe he had in the back of his mind that he was headed that way toward proposal, but his heart attack made him realize, oh, well, um, I, I need to be in the here and now, so maybe that spurred on the proposal. That makes a lot of sense. I've never put that in perspective like that. That makes a whole ton of sense, mm-hmm. because... Bert really kind of after his heart attack is through the rest of the series talks a lot about seizing the moment and you know really grabbing on to things that you love so it it does make sense that if he's feeling all of these really strong things for Carol he's going to just go for Mm -hmm. it oh and that makes sense too because he even says I'm skipping ahead a little bit but he even says in their vows he says something like Sometimes God opens a door, and he says sometimes he's doing one better and knocks down the whole wall. <laughs> yep. And so maybe that was kind of his thought process, is that heart attack was God knocking down the wall and saying, okay, oh. I'm not short, you need to, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I love um, how they both have, like, they both had a hold of Kurt, and they're, like, dragging him, and he's, like, so <laughs> Views, but excited and you know just ready for their news when they find Finn he does have this look on his face like I'm not sure what's happening but I'm gonna assume it's good <laughs> I don't know about it. yeah and I love how Kurt is like 100% in once they um once he finds out about it so mm-hmm. He is. He's just all about her ring and he gets you know he starts talking about wedding colors and you know, all sorts of stuff. And that also, that's, it's always been kind of my head canning that Bert kind of told Kurt about it a little bit. And that maybe Kurt wasn't as surprised as he seems to be. Ah. And that that's maybe him and Bert had, had kind of had that conversation, like, this is where it's leading, this is what I want to do. So Kurt was already kind of thinking of all these things mm. before the locker moment. Yep, that makes a lot of sense, especially because Bert knows the, the, you know, he's there when the history between Kurt and Finn, and I'm sure he's like, hey, this is how I feel about this woman. Are you and Finn cool with the And, you know, I'm sure Kurt, Kurt at this point is is very, I mean, it's interesting that this is kind of the end of the uh, Kurt-Finn um relationship-ish type storyline that started in season one and but um Kurt's over this crush now Finn seems to be a little bit hesitant in this beginning but yeah 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 he definitely seems a little bit more reluctant than Kurt I mean more hesitant but I think even in the episode um 
the thing I like about Finn is that you kind of see him evolve, I guess, you know, from starting out to being uh, initially very uh, hesitant to um, finally being accepting of the, um, finally being accepting of the, um, the his mom and Bert's marriage and also uh, being um, accepting of Kurt, I guess, I guess putting aside the awkwardness for family, I think. And so I like that evolution of um, how you see how you see um, Finn change over the episode. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the nice thing about this episode, really, is that we see this kind of uh, um, wow, I can't think of words today. Uh, just the union of the four of them, really. It's, it's not just about Carol and Bert, but the, about the four of them really becoming a family. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I was even thinking about the title. I'm like, wow, why did like Finchel not get a you know uh, an a episode title? Or why was the Hurt Locker Part 2 not just called Clane? But um, it was like, oh, wait a minute. It's because it's the merging of these two families, really. Great point. And, and I would like to point out, I mean, look how excited Kurt is about wedding planning. And, I mean, just, he is in full, you know, he has all of the bridal magazines ready to go, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. I think Kurt should have been a wedding planner. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Give me a trope where Kurt's a wedding planner and he's planning Blaine's wedding and Blaine is married is going to marry somebody else and they fall in love. And I will read that all day, every day. <laughs> I, I love Kurt planning anything. Mm-hmm. I love that he has to explain to Finn what um, the two colors are. Oh, I'm blanking on it. I just watched it. Um, Rosa and Cognac. And he's like, those are colors, Finn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And well, and it's funny because Finn did kind of look confused. So, <laughs> he, he kind of did have a look on his face, like, "What is that? Like, what is going on?" Um, the other thing I want to just point out, um, I, I'm always amused when Glee does something like this. Uh, Bert says that they're going to use um, their savings for a honeymoon to Hawaii, and they're going to stay in the hotel that the Lost guest stars um, stayed in. And fun fact that the man who plays um, Karofsky's dad, uh, Daniel Roebuck, he was a guest star on Lost. Yes! So, I, yep, I was I'm the only person that knew that. Oh, I wow. know. He was ours. He blew up into a million pieces. It was amazing. Um, and, yeah, I always figured that's why that line was in there. <laughs> I so. wondered that, too. And it took me months before I figured that out. Oh, I know. I think it was, I, I don't know, like, recently that I figured that out. I was like, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I love watching Lost, and I was like, he looks familiar. <laughs> I love that Easter egg. The little, it's just a small nugget, but it's a cool shout-out, I think. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. something Ryan Murphy is really good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we go into, we have a, another locker room scene um, with Finn and Kurt. And, uh, you know, Friend's kind of trying. He's still, you know, confused a lot about it. But a lot of this episode is about um, Finn really trying to be on top as the top dog or on McKinley. Um, this is also the time where Sam's kind of coming around and being quarterback and 
dating Quinn and whatever, and Finn has felt like he's lost his footing a little bit, and trying to make amends with Kurt is part of his attempt to regain his top status. So um, he comes to Kurt asking about dancing. Or, no, wait. Kurt says that he wants to teach Finn how to dance, and Finn says that maybe that'll regain my cool status. Yeah. Which I think's funny. Like, mm-hmm. dancing with your mom makes you cool. <laughs> like, I don't... I want to know what that thought process was. First of all, you're dancing at a wedding where only the other Glee kids are going to be present. It's not like the other kids were invited. Mm-hmm. It's true. And you're you're a horrible dancer, and you're going to dance with your mom, and that makes you super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't know. It's Glee, and it's cracky, linear, strange way of storytelling. And that's, that's when Glee is at its best. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is also the scene where he, he talks about um, more wedding planning and um, feeding the, the the doves glitter so they'll poop gold. <laughs> <laughs> and the look on Finn's face when he says that is just like, what? Mm. <laughs> and it's funny because Finn also just kind of goes with it. Yeah, I think he's used to that with Kurt, mm-hmm. that Kurt's just going to keep saying these outrageous things, and, and now he's just like, okay, let's yeah. go with it. It's almost like, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, and, you know, this scene is really kind of upbeat and light, and then it takes this really dark turn when, after Finn leaves, Karofsky comes up, and, I mean, all that Karofsky really does is, like, stare him down and and grab that um, wedding cake topper and doesn't say a word. And it's just the most terrifying thing. And I, that is the scariest Karofsky scene. And it is so, oh, a lot of that is Max Adler. Like, mm-hmm. the way he portrayed that scene, and even Chris, like, when he kind of gets him up against the locker, you see Kurt visibly get smaller. Mm-hmm. And so just the acting with no talking between these two is just amazing. It is. It really... Because <sighs> Crafty's storyline is so pointed at Kurt, and... and Kurt and this, you know, we've been talking a little bit in the other podcasts about, you know, how when Blaine comes on um, in season two, he just brightens Kurt's life up. And in the last couple of episodes, he's been really happy. And and, um, and even in this one, wedding planning, doing something that he loves with people he loves. And he's just so excited. And Krosky just tears that all away from him. Yeah, he's and, sort of like this ominous presence. Even though, even, I mean, when he... When he see when even when he stares at me, you could just see how intimidating it is, you know, for Kurt. And it's just like everything that, everything, all the happiness and everything he's been experiencing over the last couple of episodes, it just takes one look and it just comes right back. I mean, mm. and I I think it does. I mean, I agree with Amber that there was some amazing acting between um, the two, um, Max and Chris, and also. I think it goes to the show um, that the uh, the bu- bullying can take all forms. I mean, it doesn't have to be necess- or physical, but it can also be a look, or you can 
or it, you know, it doesn't have to. It could be um, emotional bullying too. So it can take it on all forms, and I think that this is a good example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in the last couple episodes, Krofsky hasn't touched Kurt. Actually, I mean, he kind of shoves him lightly in this scene, but. Um, you know, he was pushed around and never been kissed, but in these, in this substitute and in this one, he kind of just stares him down and just, as Kurt will later say, that kind of shadow lurking around all the time, that constant threat that somebody is going to physically harm you, um, for this secret that he has to hold on to, um, is just terrifying and, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how many, how much he's trying to ignore the problem, it's, it keeps coming around that corner. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, too, why he took the cake topper. Like, that was always, I was, like, I don't really understand why, of all the things of Kurt that he could take, that was, that was the one thing he decided to take. And it hit me when I was rewatching it this last time is that that cake topper is a symbol of happiness, and that's something that Karofsky doesn't feel like he'll ever have. Right. Well, and that's, it's also a symbol of the happiness that Kurt is getting in, in with the, you know, it's a romantic happiness and, and family happiness, and, and Karofsky's just ripping that out of his hands is stealing that happiness from Kurt as well. Mm-hmm. It is interestingly very symbolic in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think you, I don't think Karofsky even realized it either. Like, I, I don't think he really realized what he was doing. He was just like, I'm just going to go torture this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I think he just, you know, he knew probably that that was for, you know, I'm sure in a small town you hear rumors about, oh, yeah, these kids' parents are getting married. And right That's now, Kurt's two in your homeroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Frosky was in that homeroom. Oh my god! Anyway, <laughs> there's an interesting thought. But yeah, he probably knows this thing is important. It doesn't matter what it is to Krofsky, so he's just gonna take it. Yeah. I wonder what he does with it, like throws it away or something. But, but. and then um, Will steps in, and he finally kind of, you know, Kurt is just frozen and shaking and and Will kind of steps in and says we need to do something about this Mm -hmm. and goes to Sue I actually really love the Sue and Will's conversation in the principal's office Mm -hmm. and I think Sue's speech really parallels almost what Blaine was saying, you know, a couple episodes back about how, you know, when um, Blaine went to his principal before he transferred to Dalton, they were just like, oh, well, life's hard. Like, get over it. Mm. And that's kind of what Sue says. You know, she says, you know, life's rough and, you know, people are mean. And Mm. it made me stronger. So I like that what she said paralleled what Blaine was saying, so that kind of gives more motivation towards Kurt towards the end of the episode of being like, I just need to get out of this environment. Mm-hmm. But I also love that Sue and Will both just seem genuinely concerned. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of compassion here from Sue, whom you don't usually see compassion from. Um, and I think it's a, a very interesting that not until I really decided to watch the full series once the show was done, do you really see a lot of this Kurt Sue respectful relationship going on. And, and it started before this, but um, it continues here. And she is genuinely concerned. Mm-hmm. At the end of the scene is also um, where he gets his uh, nickname Porcelain. Yay, for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting. I always thought beforehand she had said that, but I don't. I think this is the first time. And I, I think it is, because I think before that it was always Lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think so. Yep. And the fact that Kurt has kind of the power to get her to back off bullying him, it, it's, it again, speaks to the kind of interesting relationship the two of them have that has a level of respect to it. Because I don't think there's really anybody else, you know, for to say, hey, stop doing this to me, and that she would back off. Yeah, definitely this far in the series, there hasn't been anybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that shows how much respect Sue has for Kurt. I still don't really understand why. <laughs> like, I don't know why he's the one that she's, like, kind of, like, picked. But I'm not complaining. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about, um, oh, what was my thought here? Um, Kurt and his moral code and his unwillingness to, um, out Karofsky. Do you think that there is a certain point in your own safety when those facts become relevant enough to do something like that? Or do you think Kurt's thinking was along the right lines? Or is it more murky? I'm just kind of curious about your guys' thoughts on that. I'm really torn on it. Part of me, I think if I was in that situation, I would out the other person. But then I really kind of understand why Kurt didn't. And I think, I think for him, a lot of it was, not that, you know, he really planned to leave and then come back, but I think he knew that if he outed him, it would be so much worse. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, Kurt, you know, when we first meet Kurt, he even says at one point to Finn, I'm not gay. And so I think for him to kind of, you kind of see him slowly start to accept himself in season one, you know, over the first few episodes, and then, like, really comes out and, you know, kind of learns to deal with it to a certain extent. I think he knows that Karofsky also has to take that journey. Mm -hmm. And I think he knows that if he pulled Karofsky from the closet, the only person that that's going to hurt it's Kurt more in the long run. Which is interesting, and just to play devil's advocate for a second, um, Kurt, if he outs Karofsky, has uh, a little bit of power in that. Because suddenly his secret, Karofsky's secret, is known. And therefore, like, we see later on what happens when Karofsky gets outed and he gets tormented himself. And... You know, um, so there might be a, it's interesting that there's a, there could be a shift in power dynamic there too, 
which would might benefit Kurt actually and destroy Krofsky. And I wonder if that's another reason why Kurt is deciding not to do that. He doesn't want to have Krofsky go through bullying that he went through or um, he doesn't necessarily want to have that power play come into effect. But I don't know. I don't know. These aren't really easy questions. So. No, and we'll never we'll never really know. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do think that that says a lot about Kurt as a person mm-hmm. that he still even when he is being when he is at his lowest he still would not out someone to better his life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, so moving forward, we have um actually I'm going to uh, it's not really a Kurt scene, but we have Rachel talking to the girls about um, protecting Kurt and um, how she wants all of the, the her. I don't remember how she puts it, but she wants all of the boys on the football team to kind of, you know, stand up to Karofsky. And um, they do, actually. You see Mike and Artie, they kind of, you know, tell Karofsky to back off, back off and they kind of they get into a big old fight in the locker room. And then Sam gets in, too, so... Mm. Yep. So, it's interesting, because in the next scene, when when Will is... when they're in the choir room scene and Will's talking to them and whatnot, and we see Kurt is kind of isolated again, kind of the way he was in the beginning of the season, and yet... I, I, it's interesting, he does have this whole backbone of support. He's got all of these guys, you know, on his side, and I think that is, you know, much different than maybe how he felt in season one, but, oh, but, um, and, and it's really cool to see, but at the same time, he still, in some ways, feels a little isolated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, was that the um before the choir room scene wasn't there a scene where Rachel was talking to Finn, or was that afterward or in, oh in the hallway then um, that like, where she was saying that why didn't you come to help you know why didn't you come to help help you know step in and Finn was um, Finn was saying well uh, the other um the other guys had it and. I think Rachel said, "Well, you're the leader, so you should have taken uh, you should have taken charge." So I thought that was an interesting conversation between those, not those two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially you know a lot of I don't I don't want to say how do I put this? A lot of Rachel's character sometimes is very selfish, but I I think it's interesting here. We really start to see her protective of Kurt. Um, and her pushing Finn to do that. And I think that happened right before this choir room scene. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I didn't watch the whole episode before <laughs> <laughs> started, so my mind is a little bit fuzzy on that. But um, Well, and one thing I did notice about the choir room scene, too, is that Mercedes also got on to Finn. Mm-hmm. She, she, she says, like, where were you? And he was like, oh, I was still out on the field. And she was like, you should have been leading the charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of interesting because you don't you don't get to see Mercedes a whole lot in this episode, but when she says that, I think she really makes a standout moment because it's not just 
you know, Finn's girlfriend saying you should have been there. It's someone else saying, no, you really should have been there. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of talk after the substitute um, and, and Mercedes and Kurt and their friendship is, I don't want to say cooling, but kind of going into different directions. But they still have each other's back. And Mercedes is still a very good friend to him. And, in, you know, in that moment, she's like, you know, this is my person, my best friend. You know, we need to we need to keep him safe. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting how, how when everybody was trying to pile on Finn for not being there, it's Kurt, Kurt the one that tells everybody to back off Finn. So mm-hmm. I thought it was... Um, I thought that was interesting for him to say. Yeah, I I think it's... um, Kurt still feels like this is his fight, Mm -hmm. and nobody else should be responsible for standing up for himself. He needs to... He feels that he needs to do it himself. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think the next um, little bit we actually get is the learning how to dance section. Um, where he's teaching his dad and Finn how to dance. And um, I love Bert in this scene, how um, just, <laughs> he just goes with it. He's just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but uh-huh. let's do it. <laughs> and that's what I love about the relationship. I mean, the, the, Bert's just like, yeah, you know, whatever you do, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty. He doesn't really take issue with it. He just says, "Whatever you want to do, I'll you know you're helping me out. That's fine." I love their, I love the dynamic between the two of them. So yeah, there's uh, that nice bond. I think they've definitely gotten over the issues they were having in season one, and and Bert really trusts Kurt. Just he just goes along with it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he always kind of gone along with it. Yeah, and. I think they've gotten an even close the tighter bond since they've had, since he had his heart attack too. Mm-hmm. So, I think it strengthens the bond. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that too. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that uh, it's interesting to me that Finn is still a little nervous about dancing with a guy, um, and that he doesn't really want anybody to see them. When it's obvious that Kurt is obviously teaching them, so, um, I don't know. Well, I think, I think when you're first watching the episode, you do kind of get that feeling, because you're like, like, Finn, it's obvious that, you know, that Kurt is just teaching you, you're not, it's not like you two are alone in their, you know, eighth grade slow dancing, but then when Karofsky walks by, he does make that little joke, you know, where he kind of flips his wrist down. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, Finn was right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Karofsky does make that. And then, of course, you know, Bert finds out what's going on and storms out. But I think I think as much as Kurt wants everything to be normal and okay, and, you know, I'm just teaching you how to dance, you know, grow up a little bit. Finn is like, but we, this is the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of realized that if he was seen, it was going to become something that it should not have. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this moment kind of speaks 
to the wedding, which we'll get into in a minute, where Finn realizes, okay, I, I see how the world may make fun of us, but I'm going to dance with a guy anyway, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that it's great that you brought out that point, because I think that's a great contrast, and it harkens back to um, to his character kind of growth over that episode, over the episode. You see him going to be reluctant to more accepting, too. He's like, uh, I don't mind, I, I don't care who sees me. <laughs> This is my family, so... And I think... I, I don't mean to jump ahead to the wedding, but... It's okay. At the, at the end of the episode, when he... When he um, when he physically reaches out to Kurt and has, you know, the two of them dance together, it's really a... It's a very touching moment for them to bond as brothers. He's like... And I think... Um, I think that wouldn't be as as powerful if you didn't have that scene at the... If you didn't have that scene in the choir room, mm-hmm. so yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think too to skip even further ahead, all the way to you know to the end. One of the last things that we see is you know Finn's memorial plaque, and it says you know see the world um, as it should be. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is kind of the first time that Finn kind of embraces that motto. That mm-hmm. you know, when they're dancing at the wedding, this is this is the way the world should be, and this is the way that I'm going to live my life. And that's really the first time he kind of lets everything go and decides this is the path that he's going to live on. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yep. Yep. Um, something interesting about um, Kurt and Bert's relationship back in the choir room scene is that. Um, Bert is one of the very few people who will get Kurt to tell the truth and, and explain what's going on. I mean, Bert senses something's up, and Kurt kind of just kind of dances around it, and he's like, no, there's something going on. And for the first time, um, he says, yeah, Krofsky threatened to kill me. And even, like, Finn was, like, shocked when to hear this. Um, so, yeah. And I... And then, I oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, hon. Okay. Um, so, then we have Bert chasing Karofsky down. And, um, yeah, that that's a pretty powerful moment. Yeah. And that, uh, what, what the moment struck me from that moment was, um, after that moment, and they're trying to get, uh, they're trying to Kurt and Finn chased after him, and he's trying to get him to back off Karofsky. I thought it was pretty powerful when um, when Bert told, uh, confronted Finn and said, where the heck were you doing all this? You know, so so that was another confront. that was another thing towards Finn is um, that was somebody else um, that was somebody else uh, calling out Finn and saying, well, and so I thought it kind of backed up what Mercedes was saying before, like, where were you? So I thought it was really powerful coming from Bert, because they're, they were going to be brothers, or stepbrothers. Yeah, so that was, yeah. That was, I, I think that's a good point, where Bert is kind of expecting them <clears throat> to act family, and maybe Bert has a brother, I don't know, but, you know... Um, well, I think he does, because he says in the 
in the scene where they're teaching him how to dance, he says something about Uncle Andy's birthday or wedding or something. <laughs> yeah. And I always wondered if that was, like, Bert's brother or, like, Kurt's mom's brother. Uh-huh. I was well, wondering that, too. I bet it was. Uh, well, we don't really know, but it, it's nice to head canon that it's Bert's brother. <laughs> yeah. He never yeah. gets brought up again, but... Yep. No. He's not at the wedding, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't technically know that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. He just we just know that he's not best man. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so yeah, then it finally gets you know, gets the adults involved a little bit more and we've got um the next uh principal's office scene where um yeah, uh Bert is confronting Karofsky's dad, and and something that always really stands out to me is a lot of times in TV shows or whatnot, and and in real life. I mean, actually, I'm going to throw this out there. This happens in real life, and I, or you get the parent um, just defending the kid, even though he's wrong. Um, and Karofsky's dad is actually a seemingly pretty smart guy, and he's like, you know, I there's something been stuff going on with you lately, Karofsky or Dave, you know. Mm. And you've been acting funny, and why would Kurt make up any of this? I actually really love that take on it that they did, because a lot of times you do see the parents, you know, getting, like, oh, no, my kid's perfect, my kid would never do this. You know, Kurt must have done something to, you know, instigate it, and it's all... the. You know, the parents are always going to defend their children. And so I really like that Bert really got to be, you know, Papa Bear and the one defending. And then Dave's dad was kind of like, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. He has been acting weird. This is this is weird. And to me, it also speaks a lot about why Karofsky is so scared to come out. Because his dad seems pretty calm and collected. And mm-hmm. he you know, we don't know a lot about his home life up to this point, but he seems like if Karofsky did come out, that his dad would be okay with it. Yeah, I think, well, I'm trying to remember if, um, I think you said his mom, Karofsky's mom had problems, but I don't think the dad did. Yeah, I think the mom gets mentioned, but I don't think he says anything about the dad. Yeah. But... Um, thinking about, I, I don't know if I should bring this up or not, but a real-life example of the opposite would be um, that case, I don't remember what college it was, but where that that swimmer guy raped um, the, the girl oh, and the yeah. dad and, wrote yeah, that letter. At Stanford, about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, yeah. And the guy wrote the um, letter saying how wonderful his son is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's, like, take a, bit, t- take a step back and... and Look at your kids' actions, and you know. Mm. So, I, I do give Krofsky's dad quite a bit of credit yeah. in this scene. Yep, and I'm glad that the, I'm glad that the writers explored that too. I forgot who wrote the episode, but um, but I'm glad that they showed that taken on it because you don't normally see that in, and you know, on television shows. So it's good to see that point of view. Oh, it was written by Ryan Murphy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, All right. That makes sense, then. It makes sense. 
And I like right. to, I like that they took that kind of route because a lot of times when you see kids that are the bully, and I, I mean, I know we know with Karofsky that he's bullying Kurt because he's dealing with his own demons of, you know, being in the closet. But it's always, like, something to do with our home life. Like, you know, dad's never around or, you know, raised by a single mom. Like, there's always, like, something going on at home. But, you know, Dave's dad says, you know, you haven't been acting the same. And, you know, your temper's been up. So his dad is obviously very active in his life. And so I like that it shows that anybody could be a bully regardless of what's going on at home they could still be bullying kids at school. Like, you can raise what you think is perfect children and be active in their lives, and there could still be something that's causing them to act out. Mm-hmm. Good point. And and adding to that a little bit, and I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. It's not something I see talked about very much, but I think the positive, some at least from the dads, like I said, the mom was kind of rejecting of him, but um, I believe Karofsky's redemption arc a little bit better. Um, you know, he doesn't come from a bad home life. Um, not that you can't, I don't know, I should phrase that better. Um, not that you can't redeem yourself and come from a bad family. That's not what I'm trying to say. But just that he was, he started out as a decent kid and kind of started going through all of this stuff and took the worst possible route in bullying Kurt. But does start to see the error of his ways. Even starting here, he's not, once, like in this scene, he's actually very scared. He's scared that Karofsky, or that Kurt's going to out him at any minute. Mm-hmm. And um, oh. if any of that made sense, sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. And, and Kurt's interesting in this scene too because he's absolutely silent. He doesn't say anything, but he's very watchful. Like he's watching Karofsky pretty much the whole time. Um, just listening, but he doesn't say very much. And that's what he says. Uh, and then I thought it was really um, to that to that point we were making earlier. How he the power dynamic. You could see he could potentially have power over Karoski if he outs him. I think that's very telling that he asked that he still has that respect enough to ask you know the, all the adults to leave before he addresses. Um, Karofsky them so the two of them could talk privately. I mean, he he could still. I mean, if he wanted to, he could just still, you know, out him in front of the whole, the, you know, the whole during the whole discussion. But he doesn't, and he asked to, you know, to um to you know have some, I guess, have a private conversation. So I thought that was pretty uh pretty powerful. Do you- I think you may be thinking about Born This Way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. This is the interesting precursor to that. Uh, Sorry about that. That was the whole... I think the episodes are starting... Since we have the two episodes, you know, kind of... uh, No, that's okay. I do that all the time. I blur the episodes all together. Um, No, but it's great that you bring that up because I think... It's a very interesting con- contrast that in this episode he's you know very quiet and but he's still very inward, still kind of waiting for something to happen or whatnot. And um, in Born This Way, he's very confident and he can take Krosky on in his own 
um, in his own way. And he, there's this entire, the whole Dalton arc and the whole, all of that kind of leads up to yeah. her gaining this, this thing. So it, it starts here and yeah. kind of grows through that. So it's a great thing that you brought that up. Okay. Yeah. Glad that we got that we got to see that growth because that is a pretty a pretty substantial arc. So, and Sue expels him, expels Krofsky right there, and it's one of the few times that she does the right thing as an educator. It, it's you know, she's always kind of questionable ethics when it comes to her education or uh, being an educator, but this time she really kind of goes the right way with it. I think where Kurt is concerned, she will always make the morally right decision. Are you sure she locked him in an elevator? <laughs> but she did it in his best interest. <laughs> she knew what she was doing. It was uh-huh. fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going against it. I just <laughs> he has always done what's in Kurt's best interest. <laughs> I mean, let's just not use moral and ethics there. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she so. was blinded by love and the heart locker. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, huh. That's fun. Uh. Getting back to this wedding. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and yeah, we get, um, you know what's interesting? Because we're getting into the wedding now. Uh-huh. And... I've always found it fascinating that Kurt doesn't sing during Marry Me. Like, everybody else has a line. And Kurt, and I don't think Mercedes does either. The two of them don't sing. Mm-hmm. I always wondered why that was. I thought about that because this, for this to be such a Kurt-centric episode, he doesn't sing at all. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's kind of, part of me is like, I really wish he would have sung. It was his dad's wedding. Like, I feel like the Kurt that we all know and love would be like, this is my dad's wedding. This is the one time I have to have a solo. I'm going to take it. Uh-huh. But then the other part of me is I'm kind of glad he got such a big storyline that didn't revolve around singing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about, you get characters like poor, poor Artie, and he really sings a lot but never gets any story. Yeah. And, you know, characters like that. I mean, he gets... A lot of story, but not necessarily a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But I like Marry Me. I, I think it's very sweet, and I like everybody dancing, and then Bert dancing down the aisle, and Carol dancing down the aisle. And mm. That was a very Glee wedding. <laughs> it's very <laughs> typical of Glee, and I, I I love that because it just seems so joyful for, for... It just seemed like the spirit of... Or in the spirit of... Um, the show. That's one of my favorite group numbers, I think. Mm-hmm. Is is that true? How many weddings do we have on the show? I think I'm up to five here. Like, we have Ken and Emma's wedding. We have Kurt and, not Kurt, Bert and Carol's wedding. Mm-hmm. We have Will and Emma's aborted Emmy wedding. Yeah. Then the they, wedding. They got two. Yeah. Finch's wedding that was aborted. And then the last one, the Britannia Clean winning. Yeah. Do we even count Sue as trying to marry oh, yeah. herself? Is oh, that... wait a minute. Let's <laughs> oh, probably take I'll a second. Just... I skipped through those scenes when I was doing my rewatch. Uh-huh. 
I maybe we should pause just for a second and talk about that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I forget. I kind of blocked that out that she has a whole <laughs> subplot about her marrying oh, herself. <laughs> that was one of the most bizarre plots I had. I don't really understand the purpose behind it. I mean, I know they kind of wanted to bring in Carol Burnett as her mom, but I don't really... Why did she marry herself? I don't I Honestly, I think... I think it was to show the contrast, because in this... In this episode, there's a sort of a parallel between Sue... And Kurt, like, kind of growing up and being bullied, because Sue mentions that she saw what her sister went through. And, you know, she's talked a little bit about her being bullied throughout the series. Not very often, but you hear it every once in a while. And so I think it was to kind of show the difference between, like, how happy Bert and Carol are that they found each other. And then Sue really thinks that she'll never find that. Mm-hmm. And so I really think it was to kind of offset all this, like, they kind of did it in a comedic way, which is what Mm. does best, but it's actually very sad that she felt like there was no one that would ever love her, so she was going to marry herself. (laughs) I think also, because I think you're you're spot on with that analysis, I think in that that they wanted to do um, a family theme as well with her, and that Really, at the end of the day, she and her sister were family, but her mom was not, you know, really a part of their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And um, we get the classic song, Ohio. I, I think about that every once in a while. So why, 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 Ohio. <sighs> I always, I'm always thinking the, that, those scenes between Sue and this, her sister Jean are always, always the most poignant, I think. Mm-hmm. Because when you see her with her sister, you could really see... Uh, you, normally you see her sarcastic exterior and things, but with her sister you could see her really let her walls down and you know, have a heart-to-heart. And I really um, enjoyed seeing that relationship between... Um, between Sue and Jean. So, mm-hmm. and, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, getting back to the the other wedding, first of all, I, I think it's interesting they don't, it, it's not really a glee thing to do. Um, there's all these people there. I assume that's, you know, family of Bert and Carol. Um, but we never really get to, it's sad that we never really get to hear about extended family on anybody. Um, so, you know. So maybe Uncle Andy right was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will never know. We will never know. Yeah. I mean, why are all the Glee kids, like, in the wedding party here? I mean. <laughs> I will say one of my kind of favorite Glee kids background moments is when um, Bert and Carol are having their dance and Will singing and it just kind of shows the kids like every once in a while sitting at the tables. Mm. I love yeah. when we get to see the background moments because they're, oh, just, yeah. they're just teenagers and they're being teenagers and they're having fun and they're goofing off and I just love that. Mm. That reminds me there's another 
small moment that was earlier in the episode that we already passed where Rachel was talking to the girls and Brittany, or no, Tina's like, hey, Brittany, are you actually dating Artie now? And she's like, yes, deal with it. (laughs) A little moment. And then she's like, whenever you're fooling around, does he just lie there? And Tina's like, what? I don't know. There's also, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. There was always, I also remember there was this, wasn't there this little um, subplot between, um, between Santana, Finn, and uh, Rachel? Yeah. Because they, I remember Rachel, or, you know, they're, um, Santana was talking to Finn right before, you know, he saw Rachel, and they were talking about, um, they're like when they slept, I guess. Santana was making some comments and and um and still getting under Finn's skin, I think. No way. Yeah, there's a a part of it. Um, it's part of the theme of undermining Finn in this episode a little bit. Uh-huh. But Santana wants to um, tell Rachel that they slept, that she and Finn had slept, Finn slept together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a little subplot here of um. Uh, Sam and Quinn, and, like, Sam proposes to Quinn at the end of the episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, like, promise ring thing or something. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But it's in the classroom that they met, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and his little speech is very sweet. Like, I can't remember, like, exactly what he says, but he says, like, this is my promise to, like, come over if you need heavy lifting. Like, his little speech is just so sweet. But mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, seriously, you've known her for six weeks. Yeah. And you're 16. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's high school. <laughs> but I will say his little speech is probably one of the sweetest love speeches that's that's on the show. It is, yeah. Because right. it's very simple. It's very simple, and, you know, he's not promising her the moon. He's not saying, oh, you know, we'll go to dinner every night, and I'll take you on these extravagant vaca- vacations. It's just like, yeah, if you need somebody to move heavy stuff, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me, now that I think of it, a little bit of Blaine's speech in the deleted box scene uh-huh. of season three Christmas episode. Yes, it, it does. does. Yes. Like, I'll bake you cookies twice a year. <laughs> so... Oh, um, another thing before I, we really get into this wedding, let's talk about, um, real quickly, I know the real reason Blaine is not in this episode is that I think at the time Darren Chris was only um, contracted for three or four episodes or something, but it's interesting that Blaine is not in this one, um, but I think thematically the purpose is that like this is kind of the ending of one storyline, whereas Blaine is kind of the beginning of another storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wondered why Kurt didn't ask Blaine to come to the wedding. Like, I know they were still friends and they were kind of still figuring it out, but, I mean, Blaine skipped school to go confront your bully. I think he would have came to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, like, that's an interesting thing to kind of explore. I, I, I don't know if I've ever really seen fan fictions on it, but... Um, yeah, why wasn't Blaine there as Kurt's date? And I mean, like, we can always understand the story reasons for them not writing it, but it is interesting to try and get into the head of, like, getting into what these characters might have been thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
So we get into, let's get into the vows here of Kurt. Uh, not Kurt, jeez. <laughs> Bert, why are their names so similar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are about the boys, which is interesting. But I love Bert's in that um, in that he's saying, again, like you guys were pointing out earlier, life is short. And, and I met someone I love very much, and I lost them. And then I found this new person, and his quote is, there she is, go get her. She is everything to me, everything, and I will love her until the day I die. So. Oh, just hearing you repeat it makes me a little teary. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even do that justice. I mean, <laughs> but um, yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know when he's talking about um, uh, kicking down the walls and mm-hmm. all that. And I think it's interesting that he says he says something to the effect of he apologizes to Kurt because after his mom died, they weren't really living. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, when he had the heart attack and life is short, he wasn't really living before. Right. And he yeah. feels like that was a disservice not only to himself, but to his son. Mm-hmm. It goes back to home, too, um, where Kurt, no, Carol and Finn have the same kind of conversation where she tells Finn that what they are doing is not living. Mm-hmm. They're just existing with each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah, that's a I nice think, little parallel there. Yeah, it it is. And I think it was probably their way of coping, but yeah, it's a good realization for both for the both of the families to realize that like what they weren't really doing is worth living but coping. And I think you sometimes need a, a kind of life changing event to shake things up like that. So they can have you gain perspective, so And Carol's vows are about Kurt saving her from her wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> but she she calls him a son and a friend. And, and I like how they both kind of acknowledge that they are getting um, a new child out of this union. And they are both really appreciative of that, yeah. of the family that they are gaining. And that it's important to all of them. And I like hers, too, because she says something... Um, about Kurt being a man. She says, you know, normally when you get married, you gain one man, and I get two. Mm-hmm. And I think, because we've seen a lot of Kurt not really fitting in with the boys, and he would rather be, you know, with the girls when they split up into groups. And so I think for this woman, who he obviously loves and respects, to call him a man and be like, you know, you have saved me, you know, even if it is just for my wardrobe, but you're a man, and mm-hmm. I'm so appreciative that you're in my life. I think that means a lot to Kurt. I think mm-hmm. it does, yes. Absolutely. And I also like in her vows how she acknowledges that for Finn, that it hasn't been easy for him. That she acknowledges that he's had some trouble, um, some challenges kind of accept, um, going through, accepting that they're dating and everything, but that, you know, that they're there for each other now. And they're all together as a family. I think mm-hmm. that was nice that she acknowledged that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's 
interesting because Finn has an interesting look on his face during all of these vows where he's kind of unsure. And I think this is kind of the moment when his mom is talking to him where he's like, okay, you know, this is how I stand up and I, you know, accept where my role is and, and accept Kurt as a brother wholeheartedly and, you know, really kind of grasps onto this whole family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So. And um, I don't mean to flash it. We we had four it again, but going jumping at the born this way. Mm-hmm. Um, again after that that scene where Bert says, uh, Bert asked after after it decided that that um that Kurt is going to come back to McKinley, that uh, Bert has a little conversation with uh little exchange with Finn that says, watch out for your brother, or watch mm-hmm. out for your brother, and Finn was like, oh yeah, I got his, you know, I'll look out for him or something like that. And I th- Absolutely. That's a that's a great point. And actually, yeah. one of the really cool things about doing this podcast post-closed canon is to make those connections. I love kind of tying these earlier episodes to later episodes mm-hmm. and what we get, and I, I've never really thought of it that way, but yeah, I mean, here in this episode, Finn is kind of resistant a little bit to standing up for Kurt um, because of his reputation and he, you know, he kind of accepts it in this episode but then going into the future they're full on brothers and, and he's definitely got Kurt's back when when Kurt returns. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have that overall arc to kind of look back and see things. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, then we have um, getting into the reception and yeah, we were talking about the the uh, first song is the Latin number by Will, and Will does something that I actually enjoy, which is a rare moment. But I like um, <laughs> when he like throw, like Carol and Bert and Bert dips Carol, and so he dips the microphone. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love and, Will. I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah, I do I too. Love I will go easy because I'm not the greatest Will supporter, um, but it's glad you don't know. It's good that there are always people who uh, like the characters. I think it's it's good. Well, in the, in in concentrating on Will for a moment, I think you know when you see later on the reception and they're all together and they're all dancing, you know, all the Glee Club members. You just see it's another background moment, but you just see this look on his face. When it when it flashes to the guest over there, that he looks so touched and so moved by the whole thing, that I mean the you know the sight of the, all the Glee Club together and being as one family, I think that was you know I'll give Will a lot of credit in this episode. I think he did a lot of <coughs> right things. He took you know Kurt to the principal's office twice to help him out. He is very supportive of everything, but. Maybe I just like Will when he's more of a background character. <laughs> so, and and he, I mean, his song is nice. It's it's not my favorite of all songs, but I do think he sounds good on it. So, he's channeling his Michael Bublé, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and how sweet are Carol and Bert in their first dance? Kind oh, of very awkwardly. Cool. Movie number. I'm glad that they're not polished. You can tell they're kind of clunky, but they're mm-hmm. adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love that they are not. It's not perfect. It's not. It's flawed, just like they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're making and it Bert, work. Yeah, and 
Bert can kind of keep on looking over the curtain. Curtain is still trying to give him little tips yep. and stuff. That was, <laughs> that was, that was uh, pretty nice. Yeah, and and I like what you said before. All of the little kid, the, all of the kids have little moments and stuff. They're all little kids, um, and and like Santana, somebody gifted it um, uh, that where she rolls her shoulders. Um, yes. Uh huh. And um, Artie and Brittany are being cute there a little bit, and yeah. Yeah. And then we get um, we get Finn's speech where he comes up. And, um, yeah, and he starts talking about how they're brothers, and, and the first, I think this is the first instance of the, I, I don't know if I should call them shipper names, Pormentos, I don't know. Yeah. Um, mm. He actually says Furt, doesn't he? Does, I, I he does, he says yeah. Furt. Yeah. yeah. And he mentions Finchel and Puckle. <laughs> Puckle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I will admit when, um, not to go to a sad place, but um, after Corey passed away, you know, I kind of was like, I'm not going to really gonna watch. Like, I'm not, you know, like, I really did have this moment where I thought I was going to step away from Glee. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my mom, and she was like, no, you really need to start watching it. Don't let this stop you. Like, enjoy it for what it is. And so this was kind of the first episode that I went back and watched after that. Mm-hmm. And I picked this one because of this moment of, mm-hmm. of Finn standing up and saying, you're my brother. The world, you know, can get over it. You've taught me what it means to be a man. And I still cry every single time mm-hmm. I watch that thing. I do, too. I get this, yeah. And it was very tough to watch that first, you know. After after Corey passed, I mean that that first time that I watched it, I mean I I think I blubbered like a baby that scene. <laughs> but it was oh, so yeah. poignant. It was so poignant. I mean that scene because it, yeah. I was just gonna agree. It's it's so sweet and and a lot of times on the show I'm not a big fan of the be a man trope that they have, but I think it was decently done here, and I think. Um, just that the I like the the family idea behind this, mm-hmm. where it's kind of accepting, you know, it goes back to season one again, where Finn was kind of rejecting of everything that Kurt was, yeah. and now he's full on accepting it. And he even acknowledged like that Kurt did all this, you know, he put all together, you know, all the wedding and everything, and that was the first time that did he really acknowledged that all he did, and I thought that was a very powerful moment. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, this is Finn kind of growing up and kind of like we were talking about earlier with the dancing scene where he's like, okay, I, I'm rejecting, you know, who cares what is not correct by society? I'm just going to embrace who I am and who my family is and, and be proud of it. Mm-hmm. So. And through that speech, I was looking at the background moments, too. I was looking at the faces of Bert and Carol when that speech happened, when he was talking directly to Kurt. Mm-hmm. And it was just so moving that, like, they were so... I mean, the acting during that whole scene was superb by everybody, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was very... that They seemed so moved by it, because they knew... I think Bert and Carol both knew at that point, yeah, that Finn had finally... Um, accepted Kurt, I think, as as a stepbrother, and 
Absolutely. And um, that, that again, that was a background moment, very subtle, but that I like. I really liked how when I saw that mm-hmm. with them. What I really liked too is that this this Finn's kind of arc this whole episode is about him wanting to be a leader. And unfortunately, he's not making the right decisions to make that happen. And so when he finally says, I'm not going to try anymore. This is, you know, this is my brother and I'm accepting him. That's when really he's the best leader. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when he's not trying is when he ends up being the best version of himself. Right. Great point. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I really love how... we. Kurt, in this moment, he's kind of, I don't want to say struggling to accept it, but it's kind of like this awe, awe, in awe moment where he's like, is Finn really doing this? Like, is this really a thing that's happening? And he's very, he gets very emotional about Mm -hmm. it because he's kind of used to people just kind of rejecting him. But to kind of have this open display of affection and love is, really kind of a huge thing. It's like he... It's like at the first time he couldn't be... He struggled to believe it at first, you know. But now I think he generally realized that, yeah, Finn was generally... generally saying... I mean, meant what he said. Mm-hmm. And, um... And I thought, I thought that was very, uh... very perceptive on his part, too. It was like an awakening for him, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one interesting thing, because they start the song just the way you are, and something that I find really fascinating, um, a lot of season one, Kurt, was kind of his head in the clouds of this fairy tale romance, where he wanted a knight in shining armor to come rescue him and um, all of this. And it's interesting to me that in Never Been Kissed, he kind of gets a realization of that when Blaine enters, And Blaine really becomes, you know, his real love story. And once he gets that, here's Finn, somebody who he originally wanted to be that person, giving out his hand and saying, you know, dance with me. And and he is kind of like this prince right in this moment, but it means something different to Kurt now. It is about Uh brotherly love, and it's not about lust and, and fantasy feelings and whatnot. So, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting to connect all of these threads together. Yep. I it have is. never thought about that. And that's like, me neither. That's overthinking 101. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. lo- I love that connectivity. So, like like you said, now that we have that arc, we can kind of look back and see, oh, those were connected in some way. And so I think that's a great point. <laughs> so, yeah. And... Yep, and so they dance, and it's very sweet um, and awkward, as it should be. I mean, like, in the way that you expect it to be. Yeah. And um, But I do love that he that Finn goes on to dance with his mom for a little bit, and Kurt goes to dance with his dad a little bit. And, and I uh, love that Mercedes runs to Rachel when they uh, kind of pair off. I love yeah. that Mercedes, I mean, you see her make that split-second decision that I'm going to Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I love that, because we don't, I really wish we got more of Rachel and Mercedes' friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. do, too. And one of the things that I, 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 I 
it just stood out to me. I I don't know why, but it does. Um, when when he when uh, when Finn says we have I put we put the little together a little number for you, and then the guys come up when they take positions. There's a small moment where um, where Mike's Harry um, Mike's uh, Mike Chang goes up there and kind of gives Finn a pat on the back, or just before they take positions, and I'm like, that's a, just a small moment, and maybe I was thinking, overthinking things, but <clears throat> I was thinking, previously, you know, we were talking about Finn trying to be a leader, but he was, um, <clears throat> and everybody was asking him, why, you know, why weren't you there for Kurt and everything, but at this moment, I think the guy is kind of, um, acknowledged kind of, that, yeah, you're, yeah, all behind yeah, Finn. No, yeah, the the guys finally kind of, yeah, the the guys acknowledge that they're um, that he, yeah he was a leader. So, and maybe um, I just thought that was a really interesting little moment. That's really cool to notice. I've never noticed that before. I usually have tunnel vision, <laughs> <laughs> so I really love when people pick up on these little threads. And I think Mike is such, you know, I. I Harry did so much trying to build his character out of nothing uh-huh. because there wasn't much there. And he was he's such a sweet character. Yeah. And I love that, that, you know, Mike would be the first one to be like, yeah, you know, we, you know, Finn's got our back. We've got his, yeah. let's do this thing, you know. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I, I really love the Rachel and uh, Mercedes moment too. What, like what Amber <laughs> said, I, I wish that they would focus more on their, Friendship. Yeah, not where they're always fighting. I, I do like in, in the, not to jump way off topic and way forward, but in the um, New York arc in season five, where they did get to be friends uh, for some episodes. Uh-huh. So like, yeah. He yeah. gets to be friends. Um, it's unfortunate they never really explored that as much as they could have. Mm-hmm. And I do like at the end where um, Kurt and Mercedes end up dancing together. Yeah. Then yeah. goes to Rachel, yeah. and I mean, like we were talking a lot about in the substitute about again how they kind of split in their friendship, but it's still there. It's still a thing. They still are friends. Uh, Kurt still feels very comfortable with her. Mm-hmm. So. And also the hug between the hug between Rachel, uh, Finn, and Kurt after they finish their little dance, I always thought mm-hmm. was moving particularly. Oh, I don't mean to get sad again, particularly, but in that, contrast that with that very last scene that they had together, and, oh, yeah, the break yeah when they said, give me a hug before I go, that, that, and that, that was just, I tear up when I, I'm tearing up now when I think about it, but that, that I thought that was very, um, to kind of mirror those two hugs together, I think that was... Well, and also to make it a little bit happier, um, we can do it uh, parallel to Born This Way, too. Yeah. Where when he returns and Finn is the first person to hug him and accept him back. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. So that is a happy moment. And that's a. Yes. Yeah. So, um, there's some of the, even though Finn sings this, and by the way, I'm usually a little bit more critical of um, Corey's voice than I should be, but, uh, like, he sings very well in this song. I think this song was a great choice for him. I think he sounded great on it. 
and you can definitely tell he had worked with a vocal coach and yeah um yeah i have a lot of positive things to say about this song yep i can but yeah i never can hear the bruno mars original version same way i always think when even i if i hear that song i always think back to first <laughs> because mm. it just resonates for me for that yeah and i, I think, like some, i think the okay. arrangement was really well done as well mm-hmm. you know it, it sounds very similar obviously to the original but just the way they kind of blended everybody in together i think was really mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> oh yeah it's a really great arrangement i think it's a very well done song. Um, I just wanted to point out some of these lyrics. I think they're kind of neat. Just in, uh, in relation to Kurt, saying, when I see your face, there's not a thing I would change because you're amazing just the way you are. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'd never ask you to change. If perfect's what you're searching for, then just stay the same. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a very sweet sentiment after all of, like, Finn, I mean, even back in duet and whatnot, when he's like, you know, don't sing a duet with Sam and all the stuff in theatricality, for him to come forward and say, you know what, I'm definitely accepting for you, yeah. accepting you, and don't want you to change the way I had wanted you to change earlier. Yep, I think that's another that's another sign of his acceptance. That the fact that Finn picked that song it's a very meaningful in and of itself. So. And I think, too, I think, because, you know, Finn says, you know, we put this little number together for you. Finn doesn't take full credit for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just says, you know, you put all this work into this, so we did something for you. And so he's kind of, he's almost showing more of his leadership skills that way, instead of just being like, oh, yeah, I put this number together and... You know, I'm going to talk about how awesome you are. Like, he really kind of, even though he sings lead and, you know, he gets Kurt involved by getting him up and dancing with him, he kind of gives credit to everybody. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I was going to say, oh, there's one line, which is just a personal thing for me. It says, when you smile, the whole world stops and stops for a while. And I love Kurt smile and then in, yeah. in, in I like Chris when he smiles yeah. I mean he's just so sweet and adorable he and, and <laughs> unguarded <laughs> in a way so yeah. it's very special mm-hmm. yeah. alright and I think that's all with the reception I think it's just that so then we get back into reality and the real world and the honeymoon is over as they say um and Karofsky's coming back because, you know, and this is a thing, maybe it's just me having grown up in a small town. Um, if you get people on the school board who are members of the community and they will protect their own in, in some respects. So it does not surprise me that Karofsky would get a verbal warning and be sent back to school yeah. if there were, you know, his family knew people or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, too, I think, because there's obviously a lot of focus on football and the fact that they're winning mm-hmm. this season. And so I really wouldn't put it past the school board to be like, you know, football makes money and we're winning and Karofsky plays on the football team, so why would we lose that mm-hmm. and risk, you know, the football team winning? 
Mm-hmm. And it's Kurt is so telling in this the scene where he says, you know, he feels like he's in a in a horror movie being hunt, hunted, and it, it's just like the thing of worst nightmares. And here are all of these good things happening to him. I mean, meeting Plane, you know, having Finn as a true brother, his dad getting remarried to somebody he clearly adores, having this group of friends stand up for him, and Karofsky overshadows all of that. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the line about the honeymoon going being in Hawaii is also a setup for con- like letting the people know how much money they have mm-hmm. because it carries into um, the the next scene. And it's funny to me that Will says, "Hey, Kurt, we have a solo for you." <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, going back before that scene. Oh, sure, go ahead. Um, when they're in the office and Sue is, you know, Sue is meeting with them and telling them that Karofsky is coming back, and the fact that she says uh, she says uh, she feels so strongly that she's going to resign her position so oh, that right. she can watch out for him, you know, be an extra set of eyes. I think that was very telling. You know, and that would have been something interesting. Um, like, had he stayed, and would, you know, what would Sue have done if she had witnessed this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. I definitely would be interested. I almost wish we had a scene where Sue walked in, or walked upon Karofsky doing something to Kurt. Like, I would be very interested, because, you know, we've seen Sue push kids. We've seen mm-hmm. her throw stuff out of their hands. Like, she's not afraid. Mm-hmm. To hurt a kid, so uh-huh. so I I definitely think it would have been interesting, and I almost wish we would have gotten a scene like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then we get this this ending is actually kind of emotional. I remember when I saw it for the first time, I actually was really scared they were writing Kurt off the show, and I was like, I will not watch it at first. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember when I remember back to that time when uh, when um, uh, I think it was in an article in either E Online or Entertainment Weekly or something. They were saying they were trying to break some news that oh somebody was leaving a choir. Uh, one of the members were leaving, and we're like, oh who? You know, it was so shocking at the time that they would do this. So I just remember mm-hmm. that everybody was so alarmed by it. Eh. It was really, now that I think of it, there, it, um, and I wasn't in fandom at the time, I wasn't live, but I wasn't in fandom, so I wasn't spoiled, and, and it was kind of like, you know, you're taking one of your favorite characters and you are making them leave, I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I was late to the party, so I don't know any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's... I love the whole Glee Club's genuine, genuine concern here when he's like, you know, Croft is coming back, but I'm not going to be here. Mm-hmm. I do and, think, though, it's funny that Rachel gets real selfish for a second. It's like, yeah. does this mean you're going to be performing for a competition? <laughs> yeah, 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 I like yeah. Tana also agreed with that. She's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, and yeah, I know. Like what you said, um, Pam, before, that I thought it was a uh, very unusual time to, to, to tell that Will would tell Kurt that right beforehand that he got a solo in company. Yeah. Maybe Will was feeling that Kurt needed a little pick-me-up mm-hmm. after everything that's been going on. Maybe. Yeah. So. I do want to know what the song was, though. 
Oh, yeah, that would be nice. That would have been nice to know. Yeah. And did they know. go perform the song and just give the solo to someone else? Or did they scratch that song all together when Kurt couldn't do it? Maybe he was going to sing Valerie. No, I'm uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who knows? But, um... Yeah, and I like um, I like how Finn steps up here, and he's like, you know, we can totally protect you, and Sam, and then all the other guys are kind of like, even Puck is like, yeah, we'll, we'll protect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we'll create a perimeter around you or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, and Mercedes is just heartbroken. Oh, yeah, she's, she's just torn to bits, I think. She's like, why, why are you doing, you know? I think she's yeah, just for the first done. time, Mercedes is really speechless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Kurt's breaking down himself. I mean, he doesn't really want to go. These are his friends. This is his family. And I, I think there, you know, there is a small part of him, as we see going to the next episode, that is excited about Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and he finds out that it's not exactly the fairy tale land that he dreams it to be. But um, yeah, it is very hard for him to leave in this moment. And yeah, I think he, I think he really feels torn, but he really feels like he has no other choice. Mm. I mean, he definitely does not feel safe there, and he does sense that Dalton's policy is the only way that he can be, feel protected. Yeah, which is. Which is. To kind of back up a little bit, I like too that it almost seems like it's more. Bert and Carol's idea, because when you see them in the hallway, they kind of share a look. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you see Kurt go into the choir room and announce that he's leaving. And so I kind of like that you get the feeling that these two have talked about it already. And they have this backup plan. And it wasn't because it would be easy to be like, oh, well, Kurt's leaving to go, you know, to be with his crush at Dalton. You know, like they they could have done it that way where, you know, Kurt said, I want to go to Dalton. Blaine's there. I feel more accepted there, but they really didn't go that route. And that would have been almost the easy route to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't. And I, I can believe that Kurt, gosh, wow. Bert and Carol, um, give him a choice too. They're like, Hey, we've been talking we know how comfortable you've been feeling with your friend over at Dalton. You talk. I bet he talks about Dalton all the time, you know. And we're going to give you this choice. Like, we know how upset you are here. We want to give you this money if you feel safer going in this direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, guys. Well, we've kind of reached the end of the episode. Um, was there anything else that we wanted to go over? Anything that you had in your own notes or whatnot? Or... I think that was everything. I think that I I think that was everything too. But I just realized one point that sure I and I don't I I think this will go back to taking the long view now that we've seen all the episodes and it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I keep on thinking, especially since I watched the episode in my last um, rewatch recently, was. Um, when we were talking about the respect that Sue and Kurt have for each other, um, or the respect that Sue has for Kurt, um, I really think that's reflected when you really look at the, uh, I guess, the season the series finale, and they're and um, Blaine and Kurt are leaving, or uh, having conversation, and 
um, the principal's office, and Sue is telling him of Kurt about, you know, I would really, res- you know, she tells him that she really respects him and lists all the reasons why. And she lists, mm-hmm. she li- and she starts off with his his um, handling of uh, his uh, handling of the situation with Karofsky. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a very good, um, I think that's a very good input. It really shows that, uh, and uh, the whole respect thing they they had for each other, or the respect that Sue had for Kurt, that she find that she actually acknowledged that. Um, and I think it started with Kurt too. So it's nice to get that long view. Yeah, it is really yeah. kind of cool when you think about the times that Kurt spent in the principal's office when Sue was principal and mm-hmm. um, how how it kind of comes full circle. And, hey, and I mean, like, if we're kind of pulling things out of hat, not that you were, you have a very valid point, but mm-hmm. I'm going to pull things out of hat. And, he call, she, you know, she calls Porcelain, Kurt, Kurt Porcelain here, and, you know, she finally gives Blaine the name of Mrs. Porcelain. <laughs> in that. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember that too. That that's full circle. No, but no, she. You're right, and and it it comes uh, full circle when they talk when she talks about you know watching him go through all of the bullying that he went through, mm-hmm. and um, just how proud she is of him, yeah. and yeah, it definitely comes through. I mean, he does handle quite a bit. I mean, I feel like we did talk a lot about Finn in the episode, which is yeah valid, um, but you know, Kurt, he does deal with this remarkably well for the amount of stuff that he is going through. Mm-hmm. And I really think kind of it marks a turning point for him in a way. So, I mean, it ends when arc and begins another arc. So, exactly. it's an important episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very well done. It was a very... It's, well, we can still, you know, question the Sue marrying herself. <laughs> yeah. <plot line>. yeah. <laughs> that I still would never... Yeah, I'll, I know Amber, you brought up some great points, but I still think that uh, I will have to sit for a little while to understand that <laughs> as the one to try to figure out what she was trying to do. So that was uh, sort of a little bit left field for me. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this has been awesome, and thank you guys so much for talking about this episode. It's been a lot of fun, and um, yeah, that's the episode. Yeah. My sister will be suspicious. My brother will be there at the door. Waves upon the tropical shore. Abilities, let you outcast will lead or seize. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this nope. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. This could be the end of everything. Someone